to the Impeccable Perspective Podcast, where we help you discover gospel clarity and openness in a new way by letting go of the culture and finding your truth while having some fun doing it. Now, here are your hosts, Joe Peck and Luann Rowney. Well, hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. What a world we live in today. <laughs> Are you speaking of your week or the I, world's week? <laughs> I am not speaking. I, I refuse to speak of my week. Uh, I can't. <laughs> I cannot uh, talk about <laughs> that anymore. I, what, uh, one of my kids' favorite songs right now is from Encanto. You know, you don't have this kid thing going on and it's, we don't talk about Bruno. It's kind of this catchy tune. And what's interesting is all the kids, that I, the little kids are singing it. But they don't talk about Bruno because he's kind of this different character. And he's been shunned by the family. Well, he's left to the family. And so, yeah, we don't talk about Joe's week. It's no, kind of like Bruno. Yeah, that's, this is a, the Bruno week uh, for me. Uh, it has been interesting, but that's okay. Uh, that's, uh, you know, whenever things happen in your life, there's always a lesson to be learned. And that is certainly one thing that I learned and took away. And I, uh, I always do look for the, the lessons when life gets difficult and challenges happen or unexpected uh, events happen in your life that may not be welcome or desirable. Let's just say, but uh, there's a lot uh, to learn, you know, when you go through trials in your life, and uh, this just happened to be my week <laughs> for that. Yay, I love those weeks, the yes. weeks of learning. Aren't they good? And chastisement and yes. you know trials, those are great. Thank you, God, for refining me. Yes. <laughs> it's good, good attitude to have, yeah. attitude of gratitude. Yeah, just not interested in uh, refining all that often. <laughs> I'm just going to keep lots of space in between these types of things. But uh, the good news is... Uh, Things are better now, and uh, we're excited to be here, of course, as always, uh, every week, and uh, the, um, the podcast has nothing to do with uh, gratitude or learning lessons. Uh, <laughs> that was just a bonus that uh, <laughs> I got to enjoy uh, this week, but we are very excited and happy to be uh, moving forward, and we are going to be talking about a uh, very important topic uh, that is, once again, something that affects every single one of us and is... One of those things in life that you can constantly improve on and learn and you'll never really master it uh, as long as you're human, it seems like. And uh, so this week we are talking about humility. And uh, it's a great topic. It's something that we've been wanting to talk about for a while. It's uh, something that is always a part of our lives and is uh, something that um, you know we are constantly working on and constantly challenged against, right? It is a uh, it's a difficult uh, thing to uh, to sort of maintain. There's a lot of uh, forces out there, a lot of uh, things in the world that will uh, push back against humility and uh, you know tell us that uh, it's weakness and uh, that we shouldn't live like that. And uh, pride is uh, we'll talk about pride a lot today. It is the opposite of humility, and it uh, it basically kills humility. In a sense, you can't have well, it's, it's both the of them. opposite. It's the opposite of it, exactly. Right, and yeah. so you can't be dwelling in a space of one or the other. That's like saying that I can have darkness and light at the same time. I can't. I can't. Once light comes in, it's no longer dark. 
once pride comes in, I'm no longer in humility. And same with faith and fear. The two are same opposite. You, you can't have them both at the same time. And so, uh, I mean, the good news is you get to choose which one occupies your mind and your space. Yep. And uh, But we want to talk about humility today. And uh, again, it's, it's always, uh, you know, these are, a lot of our topics are, you know, not new to people for the most part. And they're things that people understand and, and recognize. But uh, there's a lot more to them than we uh, we sort of know, you know, on a surface level. And uh, we all understand humility is important, and it's it's good to be humble and and grateful and things like that. But uh, we like want to dive into the topic a little bit more and, and help you understand uh, the depths of it and uh, that there's more to it and exactly what it is. And uh, just you know, give you some things that you can think about and apply in your life. As always, that's always our goal. And uh, you know, we're not here to say that this is how it is or, or that we're right, but uh, it's just more of uh, sharing our perspective on things and giving you something to think about. And uh, maybe there's something that you can apply in your life. Maybe you don't agree with it and you can let us know and, and enlighten us uh, at the same way. We don't have all the answers, but uh, we, uh, we love to just generate dialogue and, and get thoughts going and, uh, and get conversations going and, and try to help people with that. So, yes, this is uh, what we're doing here today. So humility, wow, that's uh, that's a tough one. It is. It I is. think it's, I think it's an hour of okay, let's talk and you contemplate and give people a space to kind of think of some new things in their lives that maybe they haven't thought of before, new ideas. So it is a hard one because as soon as I say and start thinking about humility, it's am I really in humility? Like, is that a space that I'm occupying whenever I bring it up? And think, am I really humble? And question. It's good to question and be curious, but the discovery is typically the the difficult part of it, because as I really start to search, there's always going to be room for improvement within my life. I don't well, care who you are. No, no, ex- exactly. And again, you know, we've talked a lot about our purpose here uh, in this, uh, you know, what we call a, a mortal probation, basically. Uh, so we're here for a specific purpose. And, uh, you know, a, a lot of that purpose is to learn and it's to, uh, to use our agency or our right to choose in order to, uh, to you know, uh, make choices and learn from those choices, whether we're making mistakes or, or not. Uh, we're always learning, but uh, all of that is okay. And, you know, we have uh, an atonement and, and um, you know, the redemption of the Savior to, uh, to cover us. That's our safety net here while we are making choices and discovering things for ourselves and learning about ourselves and making uh, missing the mark and, and making choices that uh, have uh, consequences that do help us to learn and uh, you know and then again we also have to deal with the 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 choices that other people make a lot of trials come into our lives through uh, not our own choices but the choices of others and we just don't have uh, you know we have to deal with that kind of stuff and again these are all learning experiences with that and so that brings up a good point too that i work with a lot with people in being humble meek and submissive because the three of those all kind of hold hands with each other people will say well in being humble do i allow people to hurt me because i am going to be hurt by other people that's going to be something that'll be a trial in my life and humility means that i am open and submissive to those things and there's always a principle of uh, boundaries that I I allow it, but there has to come a point where a boundary needs to be set to continue to be healthy. And the Savior is always our standard of humility or someone that we can look to. And he was always meek, humble, and submissive, especially humble in giving all of 
you know, the glory to God. We talked about that last week and, and being able to say, you know, I'm doing this for the father, but he still had boundaries that he would set where he would be humble and submissive and then say, and here's the boundary that I'm setting and I'm going to, to stick with this. Why? Because I love you. And the boundary is for a healthy relationship or interaction or respect between you and I. And it's the same with us. <clears throat> so in humility, it doesn't mean I let people walk all over me and continue if there's abuse or where they're crossing a boundary to allow them to do that. Um, so th- I think there's some confusion in that, that humility often means that I'm going to get injured, hurt, abused over and over and over. And that isn't, that's not the same as uh, being submissive. Not at all. It is. And I think that that is one thing I've noticed, um, and especially in the culture of the church. And we'll, we'll talk about that too today. Uh, but I noticed that people are confused about what humility really means. I think there's a, a constant struggle with in their minds as they know that, you know, I really should strive to be humble, but uh, they don't quite understand what that means. And I think they err on the side of caution in the sense that they you know, they, just to be safe, make sure I am being humble. I'm just going to let people walk all over me. I'm not going to right. set boundaries with people just to be safe because I don't want to be prideful or I don't want to be seen as not being humble. And again, that's a whole, another cultural thing. People, I think, act certain ways uh, like this because they are afraid of how they're going to be judged and how they're going to be looked upon by other people, which is completely wrong. No one should ever, you know, you, don't, you shouldn't act a certain way because you're worried about what other people think. Right. And you shouldn't be worried about setting boundaries as long as it's within your legitimate right to be able to do those things. And often within the church, people will come back with some type of jab of, well, is that a Christ-like attribute? Are you acting like Christ? And and it really is doing a little bit of internal soul searching. Again, that's where humility comes from, is that curious, really seeking and asking, is that being meek, humble, and submissive? And that's and not allowing someone to take advantage of me as Christ would do. Like if you look at, um, whenever Christ set the boundary with the money changers who were in the temple, he was very firm in, this is not what the Lord would want. And, uh, you know, asking and then becoming firm with them and saying, and casting them out because that was the point that needed to be done for them to understand that it wasn't acceptable. And I'm not saying that that's what we need to do, but that was a solid boundary that he set with them and not, and not allowing people to point fingers at you and make those judgments. And that's where the culture is that judgment of look at you. You're not, you're not being Christ-like because you're setting a boundary. No, I am being Christ-like and that's why I'm setting a boundary. And that is part of humility is being willing to listen to the spirit because really that will tell you what would be most effective in that and not doing it out of spite or out of anger or out of, I'll get you, you treated me this way, so I'm going to treat you this way back. That's the ego talking and that's the natural man talking. Oh yeah, I mean, you can absolutely have a strong balance of being humble and and still kick ass, right? I mean, really, that's what <laughs> well, the Savior Well, if you look at doing. superheroes in a lot of ways, yeah. that's what they do. They're very they're serving the people, and yet they go out and they set boundaries and they protect and serve others. And a lot of the glory is not in it. They're, they're not in it for the glory. I don't know. 
Iron no. Man may be a little different. He might be in it for a little bit of glory here and there, but yeah, that's probably his kryptonite is his ego and pride, perhaps, and that's okay. That's the thing. Everybody has to have, you know, no one's all good or all bad. There has to be a combination of of, of those things. Yeah, but uh, that really doesn't, you know, have anything to do with humility per se. But that is a, a problem in the culture of the church, where you know people feel like I can't set a boundary where. I, you know, can say no to a calling, for example, right? Or say no when people ask me to do something. I mean, people get, and we all know, people in, in the church especially, who get overloaded because they won't say no, because mm-hmm. they feel like, well, you know, I, I have to serve, right? I have to do whatever I'm asked to do. And, uh, and that's dangerous because you get overwhelmed, you get burnt out. So, so let's bring humility into that. That's a great example. I'm I'm sitting there, I know I'm overwhelmed in my life, and I'm really in tune with that. The bishop may not be in tune with that because it's not his life. He asked me for a calling, and I humbly submit to where I'm at in my life. And I humbly listen, and I say, you know what? Right now, I'm really feeling overwhelmed, and I, I know where I'm at. I'm willing to look at it, but I just want you to know... And being rigorously honest with him, and and this is going to get into these character traits of humility, this is an assessment of myself and where I'm at and not pushing myself beyond what I can do. And if I can really assess that and be humble and meek to that, I I then allow him that same view and and I'm vulnerable to him. That humility brings that vulnerability. And then being willing to say, if that's really what the Lord wants, you know what, I'm willing to do that, but I would appreciate it if, you know, you go home and pray about it, I'll go home and pray about it, and let's let's both come back and reassess that, just you know, worrying, knowing where I'm at. I don't think people ever have that conversation, but that's a fantastic way to do it. Wouldn't that be great? It would be really good Bishop would probably that. appreciate it, like, wow, yeah. someone who's really being... Who's being well, honest, be honest and vulnerable? And true, yeah, exactly. And and uh, I think the the problem that I see with that, and the reason that people don't have that conversation, is because of this uh, whole idea. And I'm not saying that this is wrong, because I I believe that this is true. But it 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 um, kind of stops people uh, from from really setting those boundaries because uh, we believe in in our church when you receive a, a calling. This is what we're talking about when we say a calling. That is just kind of a job within our church. So the LDS church is a lay church, meaning that nobody's paid to um, to participate in the church. And so everyone volunteers and takes on what's a, what we call a calling, which means it's basically just a job an within the church. An assignment, right. exactly, in the church to, um, to help the church work. So, for example, you might be called or assigned to teach a Sunday school class. You might be called to uh, to lead music you might be called to be a leadership uh, in, in a leadership position uh, right you might be called to uh, to take care of the church building and things like that there's all kinds of different callings that we have but everybody you know gets extended a calling to help make the church go round right because there's nobody that's paid to take care of it like a priest in a Christian or Catholic Church, for example, or another faith like that, they're basically paid, right? That's their job. We don't really have that in the LDS Church. So everyone, you know, gets a calling. And we believe that, um, and this is the problem, I think, a little bit, that, that we, we believe that these callings come from God. They're not just random. They're not somebody who's in charge saying, okay, I'm going to give this to that person and this to that person. We believe that people are called of God to fulfill certain assignments. And that's where the guilt comes in, right? Because people will say, well, 
I, you know, I was given a calling, so and it, you know, God is asking me to take this calling, essentially, and God does know how overwhelmed I am. He does know my situation, right. and he still gives me this calling, so he must think that I can handle it, even though I don't think I can. And, you know, there's, again, that, that, that guilt card is used to, to, to kind of force people to accept a calling where they right. say, well, but you know. But you notice how they're creating the guilt by oh, yeah. what they believe that God knows and that they're not willing, again, to be humble to say, I really do have these limitations. And, and, and maybe God's teaching them to have a voice. And, and be able to speak up and notice oh. those limitations. So God might be overwhelming you to make a point ah. that's like, hey, you need to develop boundaries. I'm yes. going to push you to the point where you have to develop boundaries and learn how to yes. help develop it. That's a really good point. See, that is not something that comes up. Everyone just says, well, I was inspired to call you to this role. And so uh, that's kind of how it is, right? You have to do it. And that's not correct at all. It's very interesting insight. Right. And that, and I think that's the, again, the vulnerability that comes and us being willing to look at ourselves as weak and frail and, and saying, I'm not challenging God, but I'm just letting you know, and I'm willing again to be open to that, open to that possibility. And I just, I don't, right now, this is where I feel like I'm at. And that's different than people saying, I don't feel capable, but I'm willing to allow the Lord into my life to bring that capability to me, that's a little bit different than, than really being open and honest um, and, and looking at that. It's interesting as you bring up callings. Um, I, was, I, I, have a, I have a couple callings that are actually very humble. I get to work with the um, youth of the church, which are great because they don't have a whole lot of preconceived stuffy, I'm all this or all that. They're just who they are. <clears throat> I work in the one of my first callings that I've had for a long time, which is interesting how I got to this point, is I, I go into the nursery, which is the 18-month to 3-year-old kids and do singing time. So I'm in there for, used to be a half an hour. Now it's 15 minutes, and we sing songs together, which is fabulous because I get to go in and be with them, and I singing is one of my favorite things to do. But it's a very it's a very humbling calling in that, it's seeing these little, very little kids as adults in a little childlike form and feeling their spirits through singing with them and seeing the joy as we sing songs that they learn to love and they learn to celebrate with within their little safe classroom of, of what's called nursery. Um, and it's, it's, I I used to teach gospel doctrine, so I went from one end of pontificating and adults that want to seem like they, they know a lot to children that know nothing and are totally willing to soak up whatever you give to them and join with you in your spirit and in your energy to be present to that. And it's it's great because it's really where the church is founded is in these children and their little testimonies as they develop. Uh, they know who Jesus is. They just can't necessarily talk to you because they don't have that verbal ability to do that, but they get it wholeheartedly and in their whole, in their whole being and being present to that. So I love that humbling part of that is to just be present to that on a weekly basis to be with them. Uh, yeah, that's a wonderful thing. I, 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 after you said that, I want to clarify that, um, you know, callings are an amazing benefit in our lives. Uh, I've had many over my course of uh, being a member of this church, and uh, I, I don't actually recall ever turning one down personally right. uh, at all, and I never felt like I couldn't accept one in, in my circumstances. But, uh, you know, we were talking about culturally that 
people are sort of, again, made to feel guilty that they have to accept it no matter what and things like that, which is not not right. But um, callings are there for our benefit, and we do gain a ton of uh, wonderful experiences having a calling. That's that's why we do it. A lot of times we say that, uh, you know, we're, we're given a calling more for us than for, for other people that we help. Uh, you know, it's it's opportunities for us to uh, to learn certain skills and, and have certain experiences we wouldn't otherwise have and to interact with people we might not otherwise interact with. And it's, it's a wonderful thing, and there's um, beautiful blessings that come into your life from serving the yeah. Lord, serving other people, uh, just, you know, taking that on, and uh, we would never discourage that. And it's, it is a beautiful part of our faith that we have opportunities to serve, and that's what callings are. They're service. They're service. And so that's the interesting part of how I got this calling. Well, is is my husband was in the bishopric, and they were looking for someone to do nursery singing time, and they repeatedly asked person after person, and they turned it down. Oh. And I said, I'll go in and do it. I can devote... Did yeah. they ask, call you, or did they, you just no, volunteer? I volunteered. Oh. <laughs> I said, I love to do that. I'll go in and sing with the kids. I'm not, that's not below me or beneath me, because a lot of people feel like, well, that's a, that's a little calling. That's not an important, <laughs> now I'll get all teary-eyed. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, I'll let you do that. That's <laughs> not an important calling. Yeah. Those little kids are probably more important than the adults are. <laughs> yeah. In our in the gospel and in their teaching, and and that's the thing. And and so as I went in and just volunteered, and then they just called me to it. And it's been I've been in there seven years, six or seven years. Wow. Yep. It's almost like a stake president. <laughs> <laughs> but it, I and I yeah I love it, and I would never want to leave it. I'm willing to share it with someone else if they would like to bask in the blessings of it. But it is a very small thing and out of small things come great, you know, great things come from those. And that's, I think people miss the mark on that in that humble calling of being with those kids. They miss the blessings of being able to be with them. And that's why I get teary eyed because they're the sweetest little things. Not always sweet. They, you know, the two year olds get a little honor here and there, but they're, they have, um, very tender spirits that you get to to be a part of every Sunday, which is a blessing in my life. So, I'll be vulnerable. Then, speaking of all of that, I, um, I mean, I, I do, um, you know, and I've I've been emotional on this podcast at various times, talking about um, experiences and and just uh, things that are close to to my heart. And uh, you know, we do feel that this podcast is uh, you know inspired in, in a way we feel that this is the right thing that we should be doing right now and we we feel that um, we're being led uh, by the spirit and by God to uh, be inspired as to what to talk about and, and uh, different things that we have to say and that's that's a beautiful thing I don't usually get terribly emotional uh, but I am close to the spirit and, and I I don't mind being emotional uh, when I feel a spirit it is a beautiful thing and it's a great testimony to the truthfulness of the gospel and the plan of salvation and all of this. And it's great to know that. I don't question, you know, whether things are real about God or not. I don't hear something that, you know, happens and think, well, now maybe God isn't real or whatever. I don't have that problem. I have a strong, solid testimony. But nonetheless, I still, you know, try not. It, it takes a lot to make me sort of get emotional. And one of the things that does every single time, and this is very specific, uh, and I think um, it's a it's a hymn. I think it's "Love at Home," right? Is is that the one where there's two different verses being sung at the same time? You know, the uh, I think that's the name of the song. 
uh, anyway, I'm trying to think of the song. You sing in my it, mind. I'll tell you what it is. Is yeah. it a child's prayer? Uh, no, 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 no. It's just a, it's a it's a hymn that we sing. But when it's sung by children, by primary children, it there's a spirit that um, that this comes to me that I like when a choir, adult choir sings that song. I don't feel it mm-hmm. at all. But when children sing this particular song. Uh, it just goes, uh, it's unbelievable the effect that it has on me. I literally cry every single time. And it's, it's just an incredible, beautiful spirit. Um, and, uh, well, I'm just going to have to think of the words <laughs> to, to that one now. I, uh, I, think, I think it's Love at Home. Oh, no, maybe it's not that one. Is it Heavenly Father, are you really there? And do you hear and answer every child's prayer? Maybe, yeah. And, and then, then the uh, other one is pray, he is there, speak, he is listening. Something about priesthood power. Um, oh wow! You know I'm. Well, it'll come to you. Yeah, it will. Anyway, there's just one particular hymn that uh, does it every time. So there is something very special about children. If you have children or are around children, you know that they're very, very special. That there is a spirit about them, and they're they're humble, right? I mean, we we're told to uh, to become like a child in order to receive the Savior and His gospel in our lives, and and that's what it is. We have that childlike submissiveness uh, children submit to their parents right willingly typically i mean there are some bad kids that uh, <laughs> right <laughs> that don't but i mean overall children generally uh, will submit to their parents because they they need their parents and they need to have they don't know what to do they need that guidance uh, in their in their lives and they know that and they willingly submit and that's sort of how we have to be in order to accept god in our lives to accept the Savior to accept his gospel, and uh, that's a form of humility. We really do, and right. it's not easy to do either. Right, and right? that's exactly what humility is, is submitting to the Lord because I need him just like a child needs their parents. And rather than me saying, look, I can do all of these wonderful, amazing things. I did this. It's no, I did this because I'm supported and by the Lord, and he is the one who gave everything to me. That is the meek, humble, submissive. And children have to submit to their parents or they would die. And we need to literally come to the place of, I need to submit to the Lord because he gives me everything spiritually, physically, or I die. Like, I would I would die if he stopped giving it to me. I remember the song. Okay. Love is spoken here. Ah. Uh, that's... That's it. Yep. <laughs> I, it's weird. I can't even uh, just thinking about it is uh, it sort of brings that uh, that feeling into my heart. It's a it's a beautiful song. But when you so, so it's um, there, there, it gets to a point in the song where uh, let's say uh, the girls will sing one verse and the boys will sing another uh, verse at the same time, and it just completely um, that's, meshes. I see together. my mother kneeling with yeah. our family each yeah. day. Right. Right. Exactly. And uh, and then the boys are singing uh, something about the fathers and the priesthood power. Right. And um, it's uh, it's just a powerful song. But when it's funny for me personally, uh, because it's a it's a common hymn in our church, and uh, I've heard uh, it's it's sung by adult choir just in church or or wherever, and it doesn't affect me the same way. But when you have primary children singing this song their little angelic voices and it's just this song it's not really any other primary song or any other song that children sing it's just this particular song sung by a primary choir absolutely every time um, invokes the spirit in me and it's just something incredibly angelic and and special about uh, children that way and we uh, we can take a lot from their example 
right, in terms of humility. We can look to them and, and see, uh, you know, and, and our Father in Heaven wants us to submit to Him the same way that your children submit to you as a parent. When you tell them, you know, no, don't do that, or it's time to go, or, you know, you have to, uh, to, uh, to do this, or, or things, you know, and, and uh, like children just submit when, you, when typically, right, when, when you as a parent tell them what to do. Uh, you're always usually telling them for their own benefit or whatever has to happen. They know, you, you know, they, they don't know as well as you do about what needs to go on. If it's time to leave or it's time to go, we have to go. They're off playing and they're not thinking about those things. And so, you know, whatever it is, but it's our job to guide our children and they willingly submit to us as their parent because they need that guidance and they don't have those answers. They don't know what to do. And we're in the same boat, just sort of on a different level. In terms, if we look at it in terms of eternity, we, we often say that, uh, you know, we're kind of, uh, you know, in embryo or our spirit's in embryo because we're so early on in our eternal journey, even though we've been living on this earth for uh, 29 years and holding. Uh, right? <laughs> As of <over>. last week. <laughs> As of last week, uh, yeah, celebrating, I won't say how many anniversaries of my 29th, 29th birthday, birthday, but uh, the point is we, you know, we uh, have a lot of life experience behind us and we don't look at ourselves as being children. We don't look at ourselves in terms of that. We look at ourselves in terms of the intelligence that we have. You know, we, you may have a college education, you may have years and years and decades of work experience and life experience. And, uh, you know, you think you've been through it all and you've seen it all and you don't need you know, someone telling you what to do. You don't need guidance because you're an adult and you figure all this stuff out on your own. And that's a form of pride, which we'll talk about as well, right? That's kind of pride speaking. But so having that, uh, I guess one way to help with, uh, you know, reminding us to be humble and helping us to become humble is to think of the bigger picture that uh, we do have a father in heaven who loves us and who is there to guide us and to help us along the path and to show us what is really best for us. And, you know, understanding that he knows what's best for us and, uh, and, you know, and having the desire to listen to that is a form of humility and, uh, you know, and pushing back against that is kind of a form of pride. And so that, you know, if you can just think, well, yes, you know, even though I've uh, lived a lot in my life and experienced a lot of things, I can still learn. And I know that God has a plan for me. I know that he, wants to guide me but I have to ask him he's not going to force that on me and our pride stops us from asking for his help and our humility will will do the opposite it'll it'll uh, you know humble us to, to actually go and ask for his help so I think just keeping that relationship with God in mind is one way that we can create humility in ourselves it's the only way and it's well, yeah, that pride is the enmity between God and I. I had an epiphany when you were talking uh, many times whenever I'm trying to solve something and do something, I believe that the more I research it, I'm going to read these books, I'm going to take this course, I'm going to, and I don't turn to God first and say, okay, Heavenly Father, what would you have me do? Because with you, I can, and this is the hard part and the faith part, be able to accomplish this without ever needing to study and gain more knowledge. Or he may tell me you do need to gain more knowledge, but it's difficult for me to just not try to do it on my own because again, faith without works is dead. I need to still act, but it's asking first and having him move me because there's many times that he will put the words in my mouth or he will give me what I need. I just need to realize, like you said, with parents, they know what's best. He knows what's best. I need to let go on. I know what's best. Because I think sometimes as adults, we're stuck in that, I know what's best, which prevents us from 
submitting puts enmity between me and the Lord. And, and the ultimate goal in this is to become, to return to him, obviously, and also to become a Zion people where we're knit together and connected through this humility and through this meekness and being willing to submit. Because if you think about it, that's really what a Zion people is, is that they committed to the Lord completely. They were all knit together. Their hearts were all turned to him, meaning that they were all willing to submit that. And that's whenever like the city of Enoch was taken up and and translated because of that so if it's and what's funny is if you're thinking well i'm going to get translated whoop you just moved from humility back into the natural man mm-hmm. <laughs> of, of oh look i can do this all on my own yeah but it, yeah and as we went through this that's kind of where they they focused a lot of this we um read a byu speech and um there are six characteristics that describe humble people which i think are great to kind of launch into to yes. understand that well, you and happen to have those right here by tagney right she did a, a a study there's always some scholarly study but which is great because this is where you bring fact into the right. you mix fact into the spiritual part of it well let's uh, yeah and so let me um let's get to the, i have them written down and we definitely want to go over those i do want to just clarify one thing simply because of my own experience maybe someone else is wondering uh, you mentioned the word enmity which is uh you know it's a, it's a wonderful word it's a very strong and powerful word I personally had never, I don't think I'd ever heard that word until I joined the church. Interesting. I don't think, I, I, I can't recall ever knowing what that word ever meant. And and when I heard it, I had no idea what it meant. I, I remember sort of that. And, and you know. Maybe people, in Canada, it wasn't a very big word. Maybe it's not a big <laughs> word. Uh, no, probably not uh, <laughs> that way. Not that I'd heard anyway. Uh, so um, just to clarify in case people listening, wondering, enmity, you know, I've heard of that. or I don't know exactly what it means. Uh, what it means is is hatred, basically, right? Or hostility. Or a state of opposition, and so we say that uh, you know Satan had enmity towards God, and and that's what we're talking about. So just think of it in those terms um, that way, so that that is clear. Uh, but um, yeah, that, that's the um, that, that's kind of where pride is, right? It's it's, it's enmity um, towards other people, and 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 uh, really focusing on yourself. So uh, and anyway, just to clear up, because everyone's on board with what that word means. With that, okay. So uh, let's talk about those features of humility that you mentioned. Because uh, these are actually really good, and, and uh, you know, we want you guys to take these away and just kind of link, listen to them and, and think about them and just sort of see how they can apply in your life because um, they're all uh, very relevant. And we also have a, a gospel principle that's tied to each one, so a way that you can sort of apply it in your life uh, at the same time. Uh, so, so these are six features of humility, and the first one is an accurate assessment of yourself. And... Um, that, uh, that, that, that is, I don't know that everyone really does that necessarily is to stop and take the time to actually assess yourself. And that, um, you can kind of see, you know, where pride would step in and would be like, well, I don't really need to do that. And that's silly. And I, I know exactly who I am. And I know, you know, what, what, uh, strengths and, 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 uh, power that I have and what I'm good at and where, you know, what my skills are, things like that. But, um, you know, being humble is, is really stepping back and having that, assessment of yourself and the gospel principle that gets tied to that is being able to discover our divine divine potential which is a tremendous thing if you think about that wouldn't you want to know what god's potential is for you what he sees you becoming wouldn't you want to strive for that like this is the best version of you but the only way we can do that really is to take that assessment of ourselves and just understand well here's where i am and so i now i know 
where I need to go to become like God wants me to become, to have that divine well, potential. Right, and the divine potential is this open possibility that it's limitless, and it's, it's again, the law of abundance as opposed to the law of scarcity. There's abundant, because if you look at yourself as divine, there's abundant and limitless possibilities of what I can do. And, and I look at an accurate assessment of myself kind of from AA whenever they do a moral, fearless moral inventory. Is and it is... Oh, yes. Fearless meaning I will not fear what I'm going to find whenever I truly search every every little piece of me. And it's uh, quite a long part of the 12-step program that they do this moral inventory of who am I really and how have I gotten to this place. And by only by uncovering that and being willing to look at it and, again, turning their life and their will over to God, because that's what AA is all about, are they able to do that through this fearless moral inventory and that's that's what it reminds me of is an assessment of myself as accurate meaning i'm looking at everything which is is pretty um you have to be humble to do that and vulnerable and willing to to look at the good bad and the ugly in in who you are well that's difficult nobody wants to admit that you know there's ugly right or bad within us and, and nobody wants to focus on their weaknesses or the traits that they don't like about themselves but how can you overcome those if you don't know what they are, if you don't, right. if you don't acknowledge them, if you don't admit? Well, how can I turn them over? So overcoming means I'm going to do it on my own. I, I like how people use that, but I think it's a, a kind of a misunderstanding of overcoming means I'm going to do it on my own. Being willing to turn over means I'm going to give it to the Savior through the atonement. And that's, again, kind of my natural man side versus the spiritual side. And, and I think it's a balance between both, but there's no way I can overcome things on my own. It has to be... Through the, through the Lord that I'm going to um, be able to really look at that weakness. But if there's a work. There's definitely a work involved in that. Well, there is for sure. And, and uh, I mean, that's, you know, you can see how pride creeps in when you, when you decide I don't need to evaluate things or I am going to do this on my own. That's, that's pride, right? When you're just saying that uh, you don't need God or you don't think that you need, I can do all this. And this is, that's the message that the world sends to people, right? Mm-hmm. That, that's what the message is, is that no one's going to help you. You have to earn everything on your own. You have to just go out and, and uh, you know, and make things happen for yourself. And uh, it's a very prideful kind of attitude, but it's so interesting to see how, you know, Satan has created those counterfeits to everything that God has. There's a complete opposite to, to everything out there. Because that. So it's very, very interesting. But yeah, don't, you know, be afraid to just look at yourself and you are where you are. I mean, that, that's what it is, right? And you just start from where you're at and then be humble and, and let God come in and, and show you exactly what uh, you know you need to do to get to this divine potential that we all have so the next one is acknowledgement of your mistakes and limitations oh that's the one i struggle in sure i don't like talking about my mistakes because that I'll means talk about them for you if you want oh yeah we can talk a lot about them and that's yeah and i like i don't like looking at my mistakes because that means that i've i've made them and i'm not perfect and i need to do better and then it's just it's discouraging to me discouragement's a big emotion that i feel and I don't, I just, I, and it's difficult growing up, it, like in school was a big focus in my family. And I didn't, I tried so hard to never make mistakes and get hundred percent on all of my papers. And I succeeded sometimes or, you know, I do really well. And that's difficult is whenever you don't grow up making a lot of mistake, mistakes or even being allowed to make a lot of mistakes because you don't take a lot of chances, then it's difficult as an adult to be able to say, I'm going to put myself out there and be willing to fail, fail forward, 
into life and, and love and embrace those mistakes and failures as just no, gaining knowledge and experience. There's a lot of uh, shame that goes along with that too. With, mm-hmm. you know, we're shamed into not making mistakes, for example. Uh, you know, again, the church culture will sort of uh, do that. And, and when it comes to sin and when it comes to obedience, there's a lot of shame in, uh, in all of that. And, uh, you know, we, we are kind of, there, there's an unwritten rule out there that, uh, that says that we need to be perfect or we need to strive to be perfect. And people take that to mean, well, I can't make mistakes. And that's right. ridiculous. You are going to. But if you can't acknowledge them, if you can't look at them, at your weaknesses and your limitations, how do you overcome them? How do you ever move past them if you don't even know what they are? If you're unwilling and afraid to even acknowledge that you have them, right? But the, the that, that's that just it limits your progression, I think, like that. And uh, you know, it's been said in the scriptures that we've been given weaknesses so that uh, they can be turned into strengths. And uh, I've seen that personally in my own life, and uh, I have a, a wonderful story about that. So, and so I did write down that scripture, just to, for the clarification, Ether twelve twenty seven. I give unto men weakness, that they may be humble. Yeah. That, We're right into that. Yep, yep, that is, and that's the whole point of it, and, and God does that, and we've all seen people who have been humbled, I mean, people who are very prideful or cocky or whatever, and then something happens, they get knocked down a couple of notches, right? That, that just happens, or they, they bring this stuff on themselves, and people need to be humbled, and, and God does that one way or another. Um, you know, we either, we, we need to be humbled in order to, to you know, return to God, and, and either we're going to choose to do that, or he's going to humble us mm-hmm. for us, right? <laughs> one way or another, and that, that's what happens. And we, we all get there, we get prideful and whatnot, and, and God does send those reminders, not because it's punishment or not because he hates us, but it's more but out of, it's out of love. Out it's of like, love, hey, listen, right? just check. You're kind of being prideful here, and I need to humble you, and hopefully you'll learn and see what you're doing, and kind of, and this is me helping you to become more humble and avoid pride like that. So the gospel principle uh, tied to to this one, acknowledging your mistakes, is uh, doing that will help us to repent, which is very important, right? We all need to repent daily, and that's okay, and we have the atonement to cover us, but. Um, it's not automatic. We still have to make the effort to actually repent and show God that, yes, we are, uh, you know, um, aware of our mistakes and our sins and, and whatnot and where we miss the mark, and we want to do better. So uh, that does help us when we actually look at those mistakes and identify them. It does help us to repent. So that's a, that's a wonderful thing. Uh, the next one is uh, being open to other viewpoints and ideas. Uh, that's tough, right? Everybody's right. You know what I mean? Like that's Everyone thinks that they're right, and that's something we all struggle with. And, uh, you know, we don't want that message to come across from this podcast at all. And, and that, that is a prideful thing in our religion uh, because, uh, and it's not right, and I'm not saying that everyone is like that. It does exist in our faith because of the perception that we have of our faith. And so um, this, um, <clears throat> this, this uh, all, you know, being new to me and discovering this faith, uh, you, you know, the, I, I was fascinated by what, what it is. And I absolutely believe that this is true. Uh, and the idea with the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is we believe that it's the restored gospel of Jesus Christ. And so in a nutshell, we all know as Christians that uh, God, had, the Savior, had his church on the earth and he ministered and he had disciples and he built a church on this earth and that was his ministry. And uh, it was his pure gospel and it was uh, all about uh, you know love and, uh, and and learning from his example and he was there to teach us how we should uh, you know live and how we should prepare ourselves to return to god so uh, of course the church 
after he was crucified and everything disappeared right off the earth when when everyone was martyred and uh, for a long time it, it wasn't there and then other churches popped up uh, because man still wanted to have a connection to God and so I'll, as you see there's so many churches here today on the earth and you may wonder why is that and you know they just were, were born out of a need and a, a natural desire for man to connect with God and so since God, you know, had, didn't have a church on the earth during that time. All these other churches came up in an attempt to create that connection. And so what we believe, and again, this is just our belief, is that this particular church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, is the restored gospel, meaning that it is Christ's original church that was on the earth 2,000 years ago, has been restored to the earth And, and it was take, right, taken off the earth. It was taken off the right, earth, and right, then restored. and then restored. Right. So it's not a new church that somebody invented or created. We believe that it's you know Christ's original church being restored to the earth to prepare for his second coming. And as a convert and looking at that, that made sense to me logically. I said, yeah, I could see that happening. I knew that his church was on the earth once before. It's not a stretch to think that he might be, you know, putting that church back on the earth in order to prepare for the second coming. And so um, so there's a, the problem in our religion and where pride comes in in our, our particular church is that people will think, well, you know, this is the true church. You'll hear people say that. And, uh, and so, you know, then they'll take it to mean that, well, you know, we have the fullness of the truth and your religion doesn't have the truth and we're right and your church is wrong. And all, there's a lot of that pride that comes from our church is very easy to fall into that. It's not right, and it's not true. And we don't, you know, that's not the attitude in general of the church. It's more of a cultural thing. Uh, like we've said on, on previous podcasts, we have wonderful knowledge and, and great information that has been restored to the earth. It's for everyone, and it's our job uh, to to share that with people. And that's really what we're doing with this podcast is getting that out there. But we want you to um, just to take the information and the knowledge that you already have from your own faith and religion and studies and experiences and just let us add on top of that, right, and give you some more knowledge to help round out things and, and give you a different perspective uh, just to help you in your journey. And then likewise, you can teach us at the same time. We don't have all the answers at all, but it's, it's really not about that. It's just about sharing information. But there is a, that kind of pride that surfaces in our particular church because of what we believe you and, know, that our church is. And the culture is based in fear of other viewpoints. Culture would tell you it's only our viewpoint and the church's viewpoint. The other ones don't look in them out of fear because they are not right. They're not, you know, based in in our beliefs and so they don't hold the same merit and that's a fearful not humble place to be humility is just looking at all viewpoints that all of them have merit and I can learn something from them even if it may not be true I can still learn something from it that I can look at it and say oh I gain an understanding that I feel and experience that and I just don't feel like that's in alignment with with gospel truths well I've just learned something and looked at a different viewpoint Exactly, yeah, and and uh, you know that, that that viewpoint we're talking about, where you know we we may think that uh, you know our church is better than anyone else, or things like that. We, that that is not what it is. That is a cultural thing, you know, our subculture part right. of uh, of there. There are people who take on that, and you know that sort of attitude. And a lot of that has been 
what we call the traditions of the father, where that attitude has been passed down from generation to generation because people believed, well, the, you know, God has restored his church to the earth, so this must be the only church, church that's important. And it's interesting what came to my mind is whenever the saints came into Nauvoo, that was their real viewpoint was God has sent us here. We are God's people. We have the truth and you don't. And they were not very kind and humble and open to the people who already lived there. And it started the the entire building of that city and the temple on the wrong foot because of that pride. And that's really where the Lord did humble them because if he didn't want that to happen, it wouldn't have. But they they learned from that that we may be the have the truth and be the Lord's true church, but that doesn't mean that everything's going to go easy for us. And also to, to be more temperate and loving and kind to others that... Um, that they have wonderful things to offer and bringing them in as opposed to separating themselves away from them. Mm-hmm. And and that was something I hadn't really thought of until we had that lesson last year on that, that the saints, I think, struggled with this with pride, even though they were struggling in other ways, but more of, well, we have the truth, you don't, because it was so new. That's the other thing. We have this new gift, and, and I really want to cherish it and have other people see it, but they didn't quite understand how to do that. <clears throat> Excuse me, yes, it, it is, um, I know, I mean, like, you know, no one is exempt from pride, at all, and uh, you know, God loves everyone equally more than we can even fathom. That's a, that's an incredible concept to me. That you know, God actually has the ability to to love us more than we can even understand. He knows us better than we know ourselves. That seems weird. Like, how can someone know you better than you know yourself? But it's really, really true. And uh, you know, He just wants uh, all of us to uh, you know to be able to 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 use our agency to to make the right choices and in return to him he wants all of us there and he loves us no matter what we do and and all these things uh, but uh, this is not a competition at all uh, about anything like that and uh, you know you, people we have to forgive people who who have this kind of mentality this pride that they might think that they're better than other people for whatever reason not even religion there's a lot of people in the world who think that they're, they're better than other people because of the material things that they have and the possessions and the money and the wealth and the fame and the power and the the, um, the the celebrity and whatever they might have, uh, you know, that's just people are just uh, can be arrogant. And this is all pride and all of that um, stops humility. But if we do open ourselves to uh, other viewpoints and other ideas, the gospel principle for that is we become open to divine revelation. And that is just, you know, God speaking to us. And every person has the ability to do that. You don't have to belong to a particular faith or church or have a certain belief in order to do that. You are, uh, you know, able and um, you're very uh, eligible to receive divine intervention. But if your mind is closed or, you know, your heart is full of pride, it makes it difficult for God to kind of get that message through. So that, that is something to think about, you know, why should I be open to other people's viewpoints? Well, you know, you can, you can open your mind to divine re- revelation that is specific for you and very helpful for your life because God, again, has a plan for you and wants to... Uh, to, to get you on that path to become the best version of yourself. And if you uh, let him, he'll show you how. All right, so the next one is uh, keeping one's accomplishments and abilities in perspective. And um, that's, it's easy to, uh, to let pride kind of kick in, I think, when we become successful at something, right? Because people 
shower us with accolades and and, and people, you know, really just uh, whenever you do something, people really admire that. And I, you know, I've, I've experienced a little bit of that from just our podcast and nothing crazy, but I mean, people, you know, really do love the podcast. They love what we're doing. They see us as a resource for them and, and people, you know, they congratulate me on it. They, they tell me how much they, they like it and, and what it does for them and you know, how it's, uh, it's helping people in their family or just the information is just wonderful and all these things. And we can let that go to our heads, right? That's, that's the problem with, with this kind of stuff is that, uh, you know, when we have special uh, talents and things like that, whatever it might be, and we develop those talents and we do something that's, uh, you know, a very good accomplishment that people recognize, it's very easy to become prideful. And even, even if that's not your intent or not your nature, it just kind of is. And so you just have to sort of uh, keep all of that in check and, and in a per- certain perspective that I think really the way to do that is just acknowledging that, that everything you have comes from God. Right. And There's you, the perspective. Yeah, right? it is. And you can't, you, you would not be able to do what you've done without God. And, and you may think, well, I, you know, I worked hard every day and I built my talents and I put in the time and I, I worked, uh, you know, and just made things happen. I'm a, well, you didn't because, first of all, you were given the ability right that you developed and not everybody has the ability to be an athlete for example or a successful artist or things like that you have something inherent in you that God gave you to to do that and then yes you had to develop those skills like we all have to nothing comes for free but you know again the opportunities right there are lots of people for example if you look at actors you know how many for every famous actor how many millions of other actors are struggling are those people so less talented no. that no they're not so yes i mean it's, it's talent but it's also opportunity right god right. opens doors for certain people to accomplish certain things and they become successful because of that that is not all they're doing uh, that is opportunity that's given and that comes from god as well so just again it's that perspective that whatever i have and whatever i've accomplished comes from God and uh, you know and that's part of his plan for me and it's a wonderful thing but you need to keep that in the right perspective and if you do uh, we the gospel principle with that one is that we recognize that we are dependent on God for everything and we're back to being meek humble and submissive even as a child because children are dependent on us a hundred percent for their well-being and it's the same thing we're developed we are a hundred percent we need the, the Lord. He gives us everything. He, he does. I mean, the, I, I've heard it said, and this is true, I think that the only thing that we truly have is to call our own is our will. Our will. And that's Neil A. Maxwell. The only yeah. thing we have to give the Lord that's truly ours is right. our will. Everything else that we have in life, is everything his. has been given to us by God. And it's funny, the only thing that we actually have to call our own, he wants us to give that back to him anyway. <laughs> well, he wants us to be humble and submit yeah. to him with that knowing that he can lead and guide us to a place to become right. greater than what we would on our Yeah, own. I mean, he's not you know, taking our will because he wants to control everything. We're, it, we're back to agency. He'll yeah. never take it. No, ever. Right. And so the idea is if, if, if we submit our will to him, that will allow him to help us to accomplish what we want to accomplish and help us to get on the path that he wants us to get on because that's going to help us again to become the best version of ourselves and be as successful as we want to be. And we just can't do it without God. And pride says that we can, and we want to just be aware of that. Uh, so, um, right, depending on the Lord. Okay, so the next one is um, low self-focus. I think this one is generally what the world struggles with oh, yeah. in so many ways. Because it's the look at me generation. Everything is, look at me, I'm on a TikTok, I've done Let's a selfie. Look at social media, I've, it's a false representation of right. who we really are, and it, it creates this this endless competition, right, that people can't 
get past because it's there every single day and you're looking at the perfect people and the perfect situations and the perfect the unattainable bodies and all of these things that are out there and you instantly compare yourself to that and then try to to compete with that and it's false right it's false but that that's that is the way of the world right is just to focus on you it's all about what you can do and what Mm -hmm. you get and what you have and you have to work for things and take what you get to have the best life that you can have and you have to compete with other people and there's just no focus on anyone else but if we have a low self-focus like that the gospel principle is that we can experience the power of service which is the opposite of focusing on yourself it's focusing on other people and there's nothing wrong with being successful or having you know uh, whatever uh, material things you like in life for example or just being accomplished and and successful in any way it's truly what's in your heart and uh, if your focus is not on yourself but on other people that is a that is definitely a, a, a you know attribute of humility but just think about if if all the successful people in the world turn to God and turn to other people and used their wealth and their influence and their power and their pull and everything that they have to help people. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine what the world would be like if we all... That, but that's what Zion is because yeah. they're all knit together <clears throat> in love and their hearts are all focused on God and in that ability, that's where there are no poor and there right. are everyone is equal because we see each other as equal no matter where where we live what we have who we are and i know and i'm I'm reminded of you know i i would kind of think of this being satan's counterfeit to that kind of thing when we when we talk about uh how you know certain administrations in the government want to have this uh socialized kind of thing where you know the rich pay more and give everything to the poor and that's where socialism can have some wonderful nice views but it's the undercurrent of everything else that goes on underneath that but if you look at even the law of consecration that you consecrate everything that you have to the lord that means i'm giving that all for the better of of everyone not just for me and it it levels things out it does but the problem with Satan's counterfeit, I think, is that it creates an entitlement attitude, and it's not about just hey, you've got a lot, and so and this person has nothing, so you you have to give what you have so that they have something that we're all equal. Uh, there, there's more to it than that, I believe, because I mean, it, it's the idea is more about helping people who can't help themselves and get them mm-hmm. to a point where they can help themselves. It's not just free stuff, and I have to, you have to work hard and make as much as you can. And I'm going to take it away and give it to somebody else. That's kind of satan's plan that is not what we're talking well, about and that's the counterfeit in that you are forced into it you don't choose right exactly that's, that's point. and that's where socialism falls apart is exactly. that when you force someone to do it now you've just taken their agency away right exactly now and we should be uh uh you know thinking on our own and and wanting to take that initiative on our own to serve other people if you if you do serve people regularly in your life, and a lot of people do in their in their jobs, for example, if you're a nurse, for example, that that's a uh, you know anything in the, in, in the healthcare, very much highly service uh, oriented type of uh, thing, and you know what I'm talking about. But there are incredible blessings and feelings and emotions and experiences that you receive by serving other people willingly than you could ever get. I mean, I you know I for example I always say, um, you know giving money whatever amount it is but giving money to help someone in need gives me personally much more value than than if i spent the money on myself for you know what i mean for me it's it's i you know accumulating 
material things just to have them doesn't give me personally any any value at all versus taking that money and changing someone's life, helping people have the necessities mm-hmm. of life because they don't have those, taking care of the poor, or just giving someone an opportunity to do something that they want to do that they can't do for themselves. Uh, you know, the, the gratitude you receive back from that person, the, the spirit that fills your heart from selflessly serving other people and thinking of other people and not yourself. It's, it's just something, it's a gift that you, you, know, you can't get in any other way, and it has more value, I think, than, than anything that this world kind of has to offer. Uh, so, yeah, that, that's definitely a takeaway. We want you guys Which to leads think to number about six. service. Which leads you to number six. You just said number six. Oh, I did. Appreciate the value of all things, including other people. Huh. And that, how interesting is yeah, that? Yeah, that leads, because the low self-focus leads us into that next yep. one, that all people are of value and what they have to say and what they contribute is a value no matter how small that contribution is. It is. And I've always thought and I've said many times that every single person on this earth has value. Everybody has something to offer. And you may think, well, what do I have to offer? I mean, I'm not famous. I'm not rich in any way. Nobody even notices me. I don't make a significant impact in society. It doesn't matter. That's not what we're talking about. You as a child of God, you as a human being, have a uniqueness about you that no one else has. We all are different in those ways. And you just may be uh, good at something, you know, particular that somebody could benefit from. Uh, again, this is a, a very simple answer, but let's just say you're an excellent listener and like you think, well, who cares, right? Like that's, <laughs> that doesn't mean anything. That's not going to make me any money or whatever. No, it's not, but it's going to change someone's life if you're willing to listen and, and help people, if you're willing to serve people in any way. But we can learn from that. And everybody has experiences that that are valuable in some way. The problem is people don't value. They, they think they know what it has value and what doesn't have value, and they use pride, right, to to filter that basically. and they look at value as what the world would say is value can you make money is it going to bring you something but that's truly not what value is value is nope. that it's giving and serving and contributing to the whole then it has value the whole of mankind mm-hmm. it is and every single person has something of value to 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 offer and uh, i do personally i do love meeting people and talking to people and just getting to know people because I honestly genuinely enjoy the connection and I enjoy talking to people who are different from me. It's very easy to judge people who are different from you for sure, but I try to step past that and just, you know, and say instead, what does this person have to offer? Let's look at, you know, what do I have in common with this person? What is something in common? Maybe we work together. We have that in common or maybe we go to church together, but we come from different backgrounds, whatever it is, but look at that and, and just, you know, don't, um, kind of filter uh, or, or, you know, filter them out of your lives because they, you think that they don't have value based on, uh, on who they are or what you think that they are. But uh, look at what you can learn from people. You'd be surprised at how much you have in common with people who are completely different from you, from different countries or different religions, different races, anything like that, cultures and whatnot. Uh, there's a lot to offer. And, and you become, I think, you become a better person by learning more because you're gaining knowledge and you're gaining appreciation for others and you're you are creating humility when you take the time to actually listen to someone and understand who they are because you're just willing to accept them and to love them and that's the gospel principle that's associated with this feature of humility is to love other people and that so if you will uh, appreciate the value in everyone you will automatically love other people and that's kind of uh, that's the point of all of this right is to to develop these 
godlike attributes and, and become more like God and God. more like And I think that's the, the goal of the podcast is, again, to dispel the culture and not get caught up in the traditions of the fathers, get caught up in this is the way it's always been, get caught up in the fear and the it's us against them. And the humility part is that we're all equal. And again, it doesn't matter where you come from. And the, in the culture, every culture has something worth learning and and gaining some knowledge and truth and understanding from and it's us being open meek humble and submissive to that to be willing to learn and not fearing letting go of that fear of of what what i might find because there's amazing things to find in in all places yeah and every person and god made us that way and uh you know, it's it's amazing that we have so much diversity and so much difference uh, out there, uh, because there is so much to learn. And I think the world would suck if we were all the same. <laughs> it, well, it, it would. It would. It'd totally. be very vanilla. Be, and I really and, yeah. like all the flavors of ice cream. There we go. Now we're talking. Yes. I uh, know. Um, that's the thing. Have you tried the salted caramel truffle? Mm. That's that one sounds that's delicious. Really yeah. Anything with salt and caramel in it that sounds delicious. It's delicious. Right there. It's 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 become my new favorite. Ah. Um, I want to read a quote on humility because I, the, the, another misconception out there is that humility and meekness is weakness. We said that was our that was our bumper sticker, right? Oh yeah, meekness the bumper sticker for the weakness. week. Yep, we, meekness is not weakness, and it's true. And uh, humility takes a lot of strength. It takes courage. It takes uh, you know a really strong character to do that because. It goes against the grain of society. It goes against the pride that's out there. But in it the challenges world. you too, because if I'm humble, then I'm going to really be curious and it might challenge some things that I believe. And I, I there's a courage and a strength in that to say, no, this is really what I do believe in. Why? Because I know, I know in every fiber of my being, because I have felt and experienced and have allowed into my life that deep truth. And it's great to challenge that truth. But again, the the culture would say, oh, don't challenge that. You know, don't go there. If you never go there, you'll never challenge it. And you'll always stick with what, what we've taught you and stick within the little bubble that we've created. That's another saying I've never heard before I joined the church was every fiber of my being. Ah. I've never heard anybody. That's interesting because um, in yoga, that's a big thing that we're releasing things from um, every fiber or every like tendon or muscle or cell of our body. Like everyone has a charge and an energy and it's, and they're in, in connecting your body, mind and spirit, it's connecting every fiber or every part of that muscle or tendon or, or yourself into that practice. So it's, it's very kind of Eastern, um, more, I think maybe in Canada, they don't have those things. Not really. I don't think so. Now everybody says it. It's weird that I can see, but anyway, um, I I digress. Okay. So here's the quote. Um, true humility is intelligent self-respect, which keeps us from thinking too highly or too meanly of ourselves. The meek are capable of inspecting themselves objectively and are willing to do so unafraid of what they will discover. Most of us are happy to recognize and have others recognize our own strengths. It takes the truly meek to look inside and seek to openly characterize where we are. And we, you've talked about all of this already, right? right. That, that is, and, but that's, it's so true. We have to be um, you know, willing to look at ourselves and not be afraid of what we're going to discover because that's how we can grow. But that is, it takes a humble person to really do and that. And so then I ask myself, how can I be open to those things how can I challenge myself on a daily basis to have the courage to be meek and, and willing and allow those things in? And it's through truly being curious, seeking, asking, and that's what humility is. Whether it's 
And, and you think about it on so many different levels, talking to someone new and really listening and allowing in what they're saying and, and that it has merit, um, going out and trying some new restaurant or food. That's a, a meek, humble place too of like, oh, I'd like to try something from a different culture, from someone new, not being afraid of that. That one's more physical, but it's still along the same lines. And I'm thinking of my children too, like how can I help to teach them by inviting people of a different culture into our home, into our lives, teaching them that, that all of this has merit to learn from and to not be afraid whenever someone different, you know, comes in and, and they feel that fear kind of rise up like, oh, I'm not, I'm not familiar with this. I'm feeling fearful. Okay. That's your initial midbrain you know, reaction, but letting go of the fear and trusting and saying, you know, it's okay that someone's different. I can learn to, to love and accept that. There's a couple of cultural things uh, about all of that um, as well. Uh, you know, that is a problem in our church, uh, talking about diversity and accepting other people. Uh, and this is, this is a horrible cultural thing that drives people away from the church. And this is why it's so destructive. And that was, again, the motivation for me even wanting to start this podcast. But we, the culture doesn't accept diversity there's lots of examples and we all, and I, you know, I hate to say these things, right, but there's lots of examples and everyone knows and everyone has seen this, I think, where someone uh, who is a member of our church will not let their children play with children of a family who don't belong to our church who might live next door or in their neighborhood or go to school with their kids or whatever uh, because they're different and they think that um, for some reason their kids are going to go over to that house and be influenced in evil ways and you know be taught things that they don't uh, agree with and all these kinds of things and that's just a form of horrible pride right for one thing but that is a real thing but I've just put enmity between my neighbor and myself you have complete right. enmity and yeah. that's again based in fear and and so invite them into your home first let them come over and experience what your life is like and share and give and be open and well, this is the problem with the culture of the church where they teach things like we have to avoid the appearance of evil, right? And yes, that makes sense. We don't want to put ourselves in situations that will, you know, tempt us to make the wrong choice and have regrettable, regrettable com, uh, consequences. But at the same time, the culture takes that to mean, well, if you're not exactly like me, then you're evil and I have to stay away from you, And which is a horrible, destructive message. But that, sadly, is part of the culture of our church and or the subculture of our church and that is again not being humble in any way it's complete opposite and bringing on all of this and another cultural thing too and this is i waited to the end to bring out my soapbox wow i'm so impressed we're, I know. we're an hour into it here yeah and here we go so you say it's more time it's time to wrap up it's and here comes the soapbox up. well let me let me end on that because i've never ended on the soapbox before so let's try something new all today. right but there is, uh, and I've mentioned this to you before, but something I've noticed is uh, there is a, a problem. Again, it's more cultural, but it happens in the in our church where members of our church, I mean, they're, they're very aware that they should be humble. It's kind of drilled into us. It's spoken about all the time. It's, it's obvious if you're close to God, you understand that, yeah, I need to humble myself. But the problem is they can't understand the difference between humility and humiliation. And that, that is, is a real thing that I've, I've noticed. And it bothers me because people don't have to be like that. And when I say that, what that means is they think, you know, in order to be humble, I have to completely self-deprecate. I have to have no backbone. I have to just roll over and do what other people say because I want to show God that I'm humble. But that's not 
it at all. I mean, you're having zero strength in in that case. And, uh, you know, and, and the example that I've always seen that I like to use is that, uh, and watch this, if you're, you know, if you are LDS and you go to church, um, kind of be aware of it and see if you notice this or if you've ever noticed this before, but people will try to show how humble they are when they're called to uh, give a talk in church. Uh, they will get up there and they'll spend the first five minutes of of their talk or whatever telling us why they're not even worthy to talk, right? And and talk about how, you, you know, they, they, they're just not good enough and, and all these things and they just self-deprecate all over themselves. And before they ever get to the talk, and, and, and by that time, I'm just not even interested in listening to what they have to say. But I've lost respect for them at that that's point. That's what it is. Because that's exactly right. They don't even respect themselves and see themselves as worthy. There's a lot of shame in that. And and shame and humility are exact opposites again. Absolutely. Humility is this humility of, I really am this amazing person, but I don't need to show anybody that because I know it. And, and that's, again, when people are humble, they don't have to put stuff on Facebook. They don't have to say how wonderful they are because it's a feeling and they, they have a sense of security and groundedness that they don't, they don't need all those things. But in standing up and doing that, that's the shaming thing. And now they're looking, they're really looking for validation. Right. Validate me that I am a wonderful person because I'm going to do it through an unhealthy, unskillful way of saying the opposite, really looking for you to say what that I am wonderful and they feel they have to prove that they're humble and that's not it, it is it, it's it's not you know you, when it comes to humility you show you don't tell right there is people, no way to prove you're humble no. because you live by that right but people can tell from your actions that you're a humble person correct so you don't have to go in front of everybody and and, and tell them how humble you are by by cutting yourself down and, and disrespecting yourself and uh, like you know I, when somebody's called to give a talk they, I believe, are called for a reason, and they have insights, and they have something to teach us. And their purpose is to give a talk to teach people. So I go there eager to learn. Like, well, I want to know what you have to say. To teach people and to to bear the witness that they know right. Jesus is the Christ. There's the second part of right. that. And nowhere is self-deprecation knowing that Jesus is the Christ. Because if I understand the Savior and the atonement, I don't need to self-deprecate because I have been forgiven of anything that I've done already and I have let go of it and I no longer hold on to it. And that's, that's exact. And that's where the loss of respect is, is you're not showing me that you're showing me the exact opposite of what you got up to speak about. Exactly. And that's why I have a problem with that. And it doesn't have to be that way at all. I mean, no one has, should have to feel that that's what they have to do and go up and prove that they're humble to tell everybody, oh yes, I'm definitely humble and just want to make sure you know. It's like, no, you're having the opposite effect. Like, I don't want to listen to your talk anymore because I come there excited to to say, hey, listen, this person is going to be talking about this particular topic and I really want to know what they have to say. I love their perspective on it. I love to hear their personal examples about that. I love to feel the spirit from their talk. And and I'm, you know, they're, they're the ones in charge as far as I'm concerned because they're teaching me at this moment. And so they have something of value that I want and that I have and I'm looking to them kind of in a leadership kind of role to share it's, it. It's, a it's like I'm looking at you as a leader right now because you have something you have the control of the congregation you're the one talking everyone's looking at you take that opportunity to really make an impact on people and share a beautiful message not tell how you know have people disrespect you like I don't want to listen to your message after five minutes of you telling everybody how horrible you are and how you're not even worthy to 
to be up there talking. That that uh, you can tell I get pissed in my soapbox when I talk about these, but it's true because it doesn't have to be that way. That's the thing. It's like, man, like you you are not like that. You are not someone who has Which, no self respect at all. You're a good person. Like you are a child of God. You have every right to be proud, not prideful, but proud, proud of, of who you are. And listen, well, you have an opportunity to share a, a message that you prepared and to share your insights and to share your testimony and your spirit with other people so that they can grow and develop. And now I don't even want to hear it because I, I think you're just like a loser kind of thing. You know, that's, right. that's sad. It's sad to me because it shouldn't be like that at all. I don't want people to be like that. There's nothing wrong, you know, with, with just being proud of who you are and being confident in who you are. That has nothing to do with humility in any way. So, uh, okay, I'm getting worked up here. All right. So let's, maybe, maybe it's time to wrap it up. I'll then. Wrap it up then. So here we are, guys. <laughs> uh, again, another uh, successful episode. We didn't talk about his pride about pride as much as I had wanted to. So but maybe we're we'll going to save episode. that one for a whole. We'll episode do we'll anyway. do another episode on pride because right. that is a, an amazing Huge. topic to talk about, and it does run in parallel with uh, humility, obviously. And uh, just understand that um, you know God wants us to to be humble. And uh, he gives us lots of opportunities for that. And, you know, it is coming from a place of strength. Humility is not weakness. And uh, it takes character to be humble and to look in inward to yourself. And, and you know, the, the six features of humility that we talked about, it's not easy to do that because you have to really be honest with yourself. And we don't always want to see what the honest truth is. But if you do that and really just you know, be honest about that and, and be humble with that. You'll be able to see, you know, where you can improve and where more importantly, you can let God in to help you to achieve what you want to achieve and become the best version of yourself that you can, which is his goal for all of us. So, uh, cheers to humility. It's a good thing. (laughs) It is a good thing. And my goal for the week is to, every time we have podcasts, I really try to work on what we've talked about, really try to tap in and, and find and, on a daily basis, what is humility? Being more curious, checking in, searching, and rehoning, refocusing on a, on a on an everyday basis. It's it's humility is the basis for all the other characteristics of that are like Christ-like attributes. Really, humility's the beginning of like those. a foundation of the Beatitudes, perhaps. Yep, something like that. Yeah, it really is. And if you can uh, work on that, and again, this is not something that you'll ever accomplish perfectly in your lifetime because it's not meant to be like that none of us will but it's just a constant work like patience or judgment or any of those attributes it's a lifelong pursuit of trying to become better at them and you shouldn't worry about that you shouldn't beat yourself up because you're not humble all the time just understand that it's just a work in progress and do the best you can and just work towards that and little steps every day to become more humble become more self-aware and and take these uh, the, these features that we talked about and uh, and go through them in your life and uh, and just one at a time see where you can uh, develop and grow and and improve and you'll be surprised at how happy you become that's a wonderful thing so that's the end of the episode guys and once again as always uh, thank you very much for listening we appreciate uh, your support and uh, your your desire to learn from us and, and we'd love bringing this to you every week so uh, stay tuned we'll see you in the next episode and in the meantime keep the faith and keep your stick on the ice cheers Thank you for listening to the Impeccable Perspective Podcast. Subscribe to us on Spotify, Amazon Prime, iHeartRadio, and wherever fine podcasts are sold.